You guys, I saw a flying cockroach on the subway. <laughs> we live in a swamp. I hate it. I ran down that platform so fast. But then I kept my eye on it, and then I lost it. And I was like, well, now it's on me and in my mouth, obviously. <laughs> like, that, there's no other place for it to be but on me, right? Like, it's on me right now. I think the, the, the Oregon locals would be like cockroaches. That's what I'd call the Rashnishis. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they came oh, from out yeah. of nowhere oh, in yeah. droves and you couldn't get rid of them. I've got some complicated feelings. I've got some complicated oh. My feelings on this are not straightforward. All right. Well, it's a cult, so we'll start there. <laughs> um, Girl, before we get to the episode, we just got to let the people know more about the Patreon. You guys, the staircase, I'm telling you. I'm announcing it right now, you guys. We booked the hooker. <sighs> We are interviewing worker. Brent Walgamot. The he's coming up in like episode six or something. He's the like the star witness for the prosecution. Is he? And the, we booked him. Is he the one where the where Michael was like he said what? <laughs> I think that was a different hooker. Oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Um, but Brent is very cool. He's got his own like Big Brother podcast. Amazing. We've been communicating on social media. He seems really fun. Great. And he's gonna spill the tea. Let's do you it. You guys, it's gonna be live on our Patreon feed. If you want to see our other bonus content on our Patreon feed, for example, our interview with Asia McLean Chapman or Robbie Achadri. Robbie Achadri or our episode by episode coverage of Serial or yeah. The Staircase or The Staircase you guys I'm kind I can't I cannot believe what I'm watching in The Staircase I really can't I don't I don't what is it I don't know I don't know what it is you guys were super obsessed with Michael Peterson's first wife Patty to the point where we laughed so hard in episode three. I'm going to play a little piece of it at the end of this episode just for bonus laughs because I'm obsessed and I want everyone to hear it. She's, she's in a, what is she? Who is she? What? I don't know. I have no answers. I just have a lot of questions. If you guys want to join our Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed or go to our website uh, and click on the Patreon link. Yeah, and you get all of it for five measly, weasley dollars. And you get it all like right Right away. away. You get all of it. Yeah. Like all of it. Girl, Girl. We're, we're doing it. We're here. Wild, wild country. Here we are. What, what on earth? I sat there with my jaw hanging open. Right? Yeah. And is this your first time watching it? Yeah, I had watched part of I gotta say, when I watched it the first time, I wasn't that into it, but watching it for this, I, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It's insane. Yeah. I watched it when it came out, like, in two days. Yeah. And I was like, well, we have to we have to do this, yeah. obviously. <laughs> so it was fun to revisit my good friend Sheila. I'm obsessed with Sheila. I'm 100% obsessed with her. Yeah, man. She's, uh, well, we'll get, we'll get to some of the things she does high pitched voice um, she's fascinating yeah she's, she's truly fascinating everybody felt they were there at the beginning of the great experiment like we were the chosen people <laughs> I'm here in one of the largest ranches in the northwest today it's Rajneesh Purim because a prominent Indian guru and his followers bought it our vision was to create a community based on compassion and sharing. Bhagwan's agenda was simply to raise the consciousness of humanity. That was his goal. America was land of promise. It was my conviction we will have no problems. I don't think America has a place for these people. Everyone in Antelope mistrust Rajneesh. I want that guru and his evil influence out of my city. They're run by satanic power. There is talk of vigilantes who may seek revenge on the Rajneeshis. 
bomb went off in the middle of the community. More than 60 followers evacuated. It was a catastrophe. If I didn't take measures to protect our community, no one else would do it. We call upon the governor to disarm this cult's army now. If the government does decide to get you, they're going to get you. Who would poison a whole town? The Rajneeshi set a stage for a big outbreak to influence the election. They had no evidence. They were facing immigration fraud, smuggling. The Rajneeshis came this close to murdering a presidential appointee. There is bias, there is prejudgment, religious discrimination. And this is democracy. I've had enough of it. We were going to mount a full-scale assault. We will be ready to protect ourselves. Grown up understanding, thou shalt not kill. What had happened? There's darkness in all of us. Doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> girl, get us, get us started, girl. All right, so I never know where to begin. Well, we let's. It's start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> And we start with these locals in Oregon, in Antelope, Oregon. Yes. And we see them today, like right now. And they're like, let me tell you a story about a bunch of people who came and started a cult in our town and then tried to murder all of us. Who would expect that, you know, it could unfold the way it unfolded, you know, you couldn't imagine that in your dreams initially, you know. Far scarier than anybody could have ever imagined. The funny thing is, like, this movie is so welcome to Leith that, like, all of these people that went through this insane experience reflecting on it now are all doing it with, like, a slight grin. Like, all of them still can't believe this shit happened. They cannot believe it happened. And, and, like, it gets pretty scary. We'll we'll touch on this a little bit in the second episode because we're doing two, the first two in this episode. Yes, yep. Um, They get scary, these rot. The Roshnishis. They do. I got to say, though, I think the locals get a little scary, too. Yeah, no. We see everything from the locals' perspective, and then we see it from the Roshnishis' perspective. Everybody handled it wrong. Yeah. Everybody did it wrong. (laughs) Everybody did it wrong. So we learn it's kind of like the perfect location for a cult, because it's like a sleepy town with a lot of land. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so much land, but it's like beautiful desert land. Like, it's gorgeous. Antelope was a quiet little spot in the middle of nowhere. Pretty much isolated from everything. It's the kind of place they say where people go to enjoy their final years in peace and quiet. And they say, and enjoy a certain degree of being alone. And I have in huge letters, I would be the worst neighbor. Oh, God. (laughs) I would be the person. You'd hate it and they'd hate you. It would not. I'd be like, does anybody want to come out and play? I'd be like knocking on the door with wine at noon, being like, who wants to watch TV? Yeah. Go to the post office. There's one. The cafe. The, yeah. The idea that like, Nobody would want to hang out with me all day. Right. Makes me literally terrified. So th- then we learn, like, there's just, like, a small article in the paper. Right. And it's, like, there's a, some rich guy who bought a bunch of land. No, no, no. It's 80,000 acres. Exactly. And it's the big, muddy ranch. Just, they're real, they're real straightforward. Yeah. It's a little more. Big, muddy ranch. They bought the big, muddy ranch, which uh, was about 80,000 acres. Steep, rocky rolling hillsides 
It is wild and rugged. We're out there. There's nothing. Just a couple of little old buildings and 60,000 acres of rocks. Like to any normal human, it's completely uninhabitable. Right. And then it just kind of cuts to like, again, like flooding the area. Every All these people in orange. Yeah. So we're seeing like this, this documentary jumps around a lot. If you haven't watched it, like we are the first sort of 15 minutes before we get like the opening credits is sort of just like in a nutshell, here's what happens. Right. You and know? then we go back to learn how, how yeah. they got to Oregon. But so we see like all of these people and they're all in orange. It is so, they all have like long hair. I know. It's super culty. It's very, you guys, they're all wearing the same orange. It's, it's so robes. weird. There's like big things. We've wondered, you know, who these people are. Why are they here? How long are they going to be here? You know, what, what's this about? Right away, they tried to have all the roads around them closed so people couldn't come in. And you started wondering, well, what is it that we're worshiping here? And, and it wasn't long before the Bhagwan came and we got to see what it was. Do you call them the Bhagwan or Bhagwan? Bhagwan. Bhagwan. Yeah. Because it depends on who's talking. Yeah, and they also call him Osho. Osho, Osha. eventually. Yeah. Osho, whatever. So this is the guy. He's guys. the head cult guy. He's he's the leader of this cult. And let me tell you, first of all, all of these women, one of which we'll meet in a little, hold tight. <laughs> they're putting down a red carpet. You guys, they are putting down this red carpet. It's a scene right out of the Devil Wears product. They're cleaning they, it with a dustbuster. A dustbuster. Like they, but they all have these weird smiles on their faces. Oh, that dopey look with yeah. the eyes and you're like oh god Jillian just made the crazy eyes you guys. they're gonna kill me but not crazy not too crazy right right just crazy enough I totally, to scare you they also have like fake news crews mm-hmm. like they have like fake paparazzi like you have it like a bar mitzvah it's insane right and then this guy shows up in a fucking Rolls Royce yeah and it's Baguan. And he is like exactly what you think like an Eastern world guru looks like. Yeah. He's got all of it. He's got the long white beard. And the He's long the... white robe. He doesn't wear orange. No. Hmm. <laughs> all right. But then you guys, all of a sudden we're seeing like truckloads of building materials. Oh, yeah. There were these rumors going around that his vision was a city of 50,000 in, in the desert somewhere. And... and the little deal got to be a big deal in just a matter of a week or two. A lot of people were suspicious that they had a long-term plan. Nobody could imagine that it would be something of the scale that unfolded. And then we we hear like someone's like, yeah, well, you know, this is uh, the biggest case of poisoning and immigration fraud and wiretaps. And I'm like, what about where are the opening credits? I don't know what's happening. Well, then they're like, but the real problem started when Sheila got here. Sheila. (laughs) Ma Anand Sheila was the Bhagwan's personal secretary. So she was his spokesperson. She was, in my opinion, essentially running the whole commune. You do not fuck with this woman. Oh, no, she'll kill you. Yeah. And like when you. I'm not kidding. She will kill you. (laughs) She said it before. Don't test her. When you see her now, you see modern Sheila. And I think it says she's in Switzerland or something. It's this crazy reveal because it's like she's his trusted lieutenant. Don't cross Sheila. And she's got the crazy face and then she's got the mean face and then she's beaming up at him. And you're like, oh, my God. It's all these old photos of her when she's like a teenager. Right. And then she fled to Germany because she was wanted for murder and all this shit. Right. And then it's like this slow panning, like foggy forest. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like undisclosed location in Switzerland. And you see this older woman and you're like, is that? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, it's Sheila! 
Yeah. She's who's wanted for murder right. and a ton of other <laughs> shit. But she's just talking to the camera. With every crown comes the guillotine. Without the guillotine, you cannot wear the crown. And it was my fate. But why do one has to put somebody under guillotine? Because of their strength. They want to destroy their strength. And in spite of guillotine, they haven't killed me yet. They haven't killed my spirit yet. I loved her. Get that popcorn. I know. <laughs> totally. Wait, no matter where say? I go, I will always wear the crown. <gasps> yeah. My favorite is when she says, I have been accused of laundry list of heinous crimes. Of course, all of them attempted. Normally, I succeed in what I do. Crickets, crickets, <laughs> crickets. And the, the crew's like, okay. And then she goes, that is a joke. Sheila! And then she's basically like, look, I have nothing to lose, so I'm going to sing like a canary. And I'm like, yeah. get that popcorn. Let's go. <laughs> Library is in session, Somebody give her a cup of tea so she can spill I it. mean, she's about to for six whole episodes. So we go back to Bombay, India, 1968. This is like where Sheila was born and where she lived with her father. Yeah, so we get her backstory. And she meets Bhagwan when she's 16. And her father introduced them. Yeah. And she, we're like in the Bhagwan's apartment. The, the amount of video footage that we get in this documentary. Where does this footage come from? I have no idea. You guys, like so much of this is just footage. Right. So we get introduced to Sheila's uh, view of Bhagwan Rajneesh, who's later known as Osho. Not confusing at all. Um, He's just the head weirdo, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just and the head weirdo. Sheila was like super in love with him and his hairy chest. Bhagwan came from back like this in his white shawl and a lungi and nothing underneath with beautiful hairy chest. And then all I realized that tears were rolling through my cheeks. I saw this smile and these open arms and just went into his arms and my whole head melted. And she says instantly, she was like, I had my head in his lap. He had all of me. I could have died in that moment. I know. Where is your father? I, that is exactly what I was thinking. Your 16-year-old daughter's head is in some creepy dude's lap. I and know. she's like, he has me. He has all of me. <laughs> all right. So next we meet some woman from Australia who I was so bored by the whole time. Yeah, she ends up being a little bit like the voice of reason where she, she realizes eventually, oh, this is a cult. Yeah. Right now. Oh, we she doesn't get that. But she's yeah. in an undisclosed location. We don't know where she is. And we don't know why she's in an undisclosed location. Not yet. I was totally bored by her. And she is the one who like describes this thing called dynamic meditation okay. that she goes and does with her husband. Okay. <laughs> so it's at this community center, stage one. <laughs> Chaotic breathing slash hyperventilating. <laughs> And this is supposed to awaken the serpent forest, you guys. <laughs> Breathe very fast and furiously in and out of the nose for the first part of the music. <laughs> 
Um, I'm all for a good meditation, but making yourself hyperventilate is the opposite. That's the opposite of meditation. Like when you're hyperventilating, people aren't like, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Everyone you will tell you, it. you're doing it. Great job. The anxiety is really at an all time high. And that's what you want. You know, you want it to be, you want to feel like the walls are closing and you can't breathe. That's exactly. No, people are like, are you having anxiety and hyperventilating? Meditate. Count with your breath. Ground yourself. Put your feet on the floor. No, these people are like, just the more chaotic, the better. Exactly. That's how you, that's stage one. Stage two is called explode. In the second part, we were to just let it all go. Scream and shout if we felt like it. Whatever came, we just let it out. So you just <laughs> let it all go and scream and cry and lose your shit. That's it. I didn't make up the rules. I'm just telling you. Stage three is called simply H O O exclamation point. And in stage three, you just jump up and down and say who. Okay. And then the third part, we were to put our hands over and jump up and down. And every time your feet hit the ground, say None of this seems calming to me. None of this seems like it's going to get me energetically to a place where I want to uh-huh. be. You guys, meanwhile, they're showing video of this. Like, we're seeing this in action. You'll hear the who. You'll play it. Yeah. <laughs> and then stage four, finally, everyone shut the fucks up, and it's called silence, and you just lay there. Yeah. Because you're exhausted. <laughs> and I don't know how long these stages are, but it's, see, it's probably like you who for an hour, right. you cry and scream for another hour. So then we meet this guy. I'm just going to call him the lawyer. Yes, I call him the attorney. And here's my note Swami Promniran. He Henceforth, the lawyer. Can this queen stop crying for five fucking seconds? At first you see him, and I totally judged him by how he looked. I was like, yeah. he's going to be the voice of reason. He's right. going to be like, these fucking hippies <laughs> don't know what they're talking about. He's the one who's crying, who still goes by his Rashidishi name. And is just... Like, don't talk shit about my cult. Like, I I, like, how dare you? He is so defensive. And he does this thing. Re- he tells these stories as though he's reliving them. Yes. He does this, like, horrible actor thing where he just, like, stares off into middle distance. And, like, tries to, like, collect himself yeah. mid-sentence. Girl, we're over here, girl. Those who were at the ranch tend to share a bond. So maybe, maybe like going through war together or something, you know, you share a bond of having gone through an extremely intense experience where you relate to each other with a very, very deep connection and bond that's really sort of beyond family, you know? He says something that blows my mind. He was like, I was born in the best place at the best time of yeah. all time. Yeah. He says the United States in the 40s. <laughs> You want to know who had rights in the United States in the 40s? Dudes that looked like him and nobody else. That's exactly Women, right. people of color, gay. There was no civil rights. There were no gay. Like, gays, didn't, gays weren't a, a real thing back I then. I asked Mike. I was like, how bad was it really? Like, for someone to say this, because Mike is always my go-to. He was like, lynchings are still happening, girl. Like, guys, it was bad. For the record, Mike is not 9,000 years old. Mike was not living like his prime in the 40s. No, no, no. So my husband, Mike, is just incredibly smart and is a history buff. He every, yeah. Everything Ken Burns ever made, he's watched and read the books about. You know, like, he's I just so good. The idea that the, the listeners all of a sudden have this image of super hot husband Mike as like being a 90-year-old man. 
No, no, nope. He's just super smart and super hot. Yeah. So then Sheila's like, now his popularity is really rising. He's publishing books. He's filling up stadiums with like 30,000 people. And one of the main differences, I will say, like between this and like Holy Hell or whatever, like that yeah. cult, is that like they, this cult was really attracting what she calls the cream of society. Bhagwan didn't want people who were coming for mental entertainment. He wanted people who can support a community. We amassed in the early days highly trained intellectuals, doctors, lawyers, city planners. I mean, our vision was to create a community that could be used as an example for what was possible in the world. So, like, this high-powered L.A. lawyers, city planners, yeah. the, the people, like, intellectuals that they are really going to need and they're going to use when it comes to, like, establishing their own city. Right. And then we hear him speak. I'm not special in any sense. I'm not claiming that I am the son of God. I'm simply saying one thing, that I was asleep, now I am awake. You are asleep. And you can be awake also. He has this thing that he does when he speaks where at first it starts with the S's. Uh-huh. And he's like, I am not special in any sense. Shh. <laughs> I'm not claiming I am the son of God. Shh. I don't know what that is. I know. But he adds S-H to the end of his sentences and it's very it's like are you am i being hypnotized like what are you doing and he's doing like this he was like we will gather millions more (laughs) i'm like you're this is a hypnotized thing we should mention now basically the at this point in the movie we're on the ashram, which is like the the place where they all live in India, mm-hmm. in the middle of like super poor, super chaotic, super loud India, there's just like what they describe as an oasis, mm-hmm. which is where he lives right. and all of his like subjects live. Right. It was really peaceful. It was very green, lush green. It was a real oasis. There's lots of trees, these beautiful old trees full of parrots, like thousands of parrots. And all of these people, a sea of people walking, wearing maroon robes. But it was a very gentle movement, you know, people talking to people, people sitting and having a cup of of tea, people hugging. I just wanted to be there. People were leaving their whole lives in the States or wherever they were to do this. They dropped everything or convinced their poor families to go with them. Like they picked up and moved to India to live with this dude. Exactly. Then we just get a little sprinkling of this. We'll come back to it. (laughs) But we get a little sprinkling where it's like, hey, you can be spiritual and sexual. Now, there are two ways. Either repress sex as it has been done by all the so-called religious traditions of the world are transform it. I am for transformation. He's not wrong, but it's super creepy. It's super creepy, and they make the point that this is different than what other, like, what we would call cult leaders, like, are talking about at the time. When you think, again, about, like, holy hell, the idea was they all had to be celibate, they couldn't they couldn't be sexual. Remember, it was that whole, like, repressed sexuality thing? Right, and then all the abuse was happening behind closed doors. Exactly, and so this is the opposite, where it's like, come fuck your brains out. Right, and, like, you'll be a better person. You'll yeah. have, you'll be, you'll do better for what we want. Whatever you do, Do it with great creativeness. Bring something new into existence. And your sex will be fulfilled on a higher plane. 
So now there's, here's another word. Here's another like for our glossary at home. Right now they're calling his followers sinyasins. So you're going to hear that word in <sighs> something. I could barely keep track of any of that. Right. So like one of the big turning points is like Sheila is realizing that if this group is going to expand and really like basically take over the planet the way that she wants them to. Right. They need money. Right. We needed housing. We needed to buy new land. And I come up with the idea. Here is at least three, four thousand sannyasins. And they can loan us the money. And Sheila's just like, look, the meditation is what brings in the money, right? Yeah. And the whole thing is that, like, the, the people who were doing the meditation were, like, the Europeans and the American idiots who just, like, basically came over and were like, sure, here's all of our money. Is American Idiot going to be our palate cleanser? Oh, that's a good idea! <laughs> right? American Idiot for the palate cleanser Woo. for you guys. So then... She's like, look, these meditate, whatever. I don't have time for this shit. I want to work. Like, I don't have time to sit and meditate, girl. Right. Like, I have to make this paper. Exactly. I was not a meditator. I don't have interest in this. This is not my cup of tea. I like working. But it was not a conflict between me and Bhagwan. I knew his marketing ability. I knew how to create an organization. She's not saying this word, but Sheila's building a brand. Yes, totally. She will never say that word. Yes. But that's exactly what she's doing. <laughs> she doesn't have time for your shit or medita- meditation. Is she on Twitter? I bet her Twitter would be out of control. She's in hiding. Oh. Uh, I guess you could track that shit, huh? I guess. Uh, I gotta look her up, though. I know. <laughs> and we set up overnight a little bank with card system. It was definitely a big cash flow. We were floating several hundred thousand dollars. And that's a lot of money for India. Everyone is talking about how Sheila was super charming and she knew how to turn it on and talk to people and get what she wanted based on who she was speaking with. Like she was a genius in how she worked. Right. Marjorie Deal, not a genius. <laughs> Lakshmi. Yeah. Lakshmi was the Sheila before Sheila. (laughs) So Lakshmi's being described as like the personal secretary. And I'm like, I thought she, oh. Oh, shit. So what happens is that like Sheila starts off as Lakshmi's assistant. (laughs) Again, you guys, this movie is the Devil Wears Prada. I I mean, yes. Why is nobody ready? Why is no one ready? Oh my God. It's so terrifying. (laughs) So that's all. Yeah, that's all. That's all. So the Bhagwan wants to create a Buddha field like the holy hell people. Buddha field? I, I didn't know that was like an actual thing. I, I looked, thought that like the crazy guy from Holy Hell made it up. I agree with you. And I looked it up. And the only thing was holy hell that came up. Right. So I, they were called the Buddha field. Right. The booty field, right? right. So they were all having sex <laughs> with each other. Bhagwan wanted to create a new commune, a Buddha field. This Buddha field was a promised land. This will be the first sannyasin city. Within five years, 50,000 sannyasins will be there. And within 10 years, 100,000 sannyasins will be there. 
So he sends Lakshmi all over India looking for a place. And literally don't come back without a contract signed. Right. Because Lakshmi's coming back with nothing. Right. She's doing a really bad job. Lakshmi's batting zero. And Sheila, you can you know that Sheila's just sitting in the corner. Waiting. Yeah. Waiting in the wings. <laughs> totally. So the Bhagwan calls in Sheila to basically like talk shit about Lakshmi and what a terrible <laughs> job she's doing. And he asks me, what do you think about Lakshmi? I said to Bhagwan, I don't see a good hope there. Lakshmi was not capable of organizing a land for him. And Sheila's like, she can't do it. I can. Give me the job. Give me the job. Give me the job. And he's like, okay. He put his hand on my head. I just looked at him. Tears rolling from my eyes. And then he says, Sila. You are my new secretary. That's what happened to Lakshmi? Like, I'm Lakshmi, girl, call us. Hashtag where is Lakshmi? <laughs> Lakshmi, I'm, can, I'm worried about you. I'm sure you're fine. Right. Hashtag call us. Call us. Yeah. Are you okay? Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> so basically, the way Sheila wins this job, other than steamrolling it and just demanding <laughs> she have it, she suggests America. America is the place to do this thing because she thinks that they'll be protected by the Constitution. Right. We all do, girl. It doesn't, work, it doesn't always work out that way. Right. She's like, well, the Constitution will let us do whatever the fuck we want. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And he, the Bhagwan's like this all-knowing, powerful guy. He's like, yes, you get the job. Let's kill Lakshmi or whatever or throw her to the forest <laughs> and let's all get the hell out of here. She's been tied to a tree for 45 Lakshmi, years. She's been eating bugs, the poor thing. And the next thing says... Okay, look for a place in America. So now we get some more backstory from Sheila. And we learn that in 1968, Sheila actually went to Montclair State University in Jersey. So we hear this this very sad story about how she met and fell in love with her husband, Mark. Well, and she brings the hot husband into the cult as well. Right, right. And his health really deteriorates and he ends up dying. But I she was, really, truly loved this man. I was totally sobbing when she was telling the story. Like it's, it was, It's very, very sad story. There are really uh, amazing pictures of them laughing. He yeah. made her laugh until her stomach hurt. Like, and he it's, was beautiful and yeah. young and it's just so awful when that shit happens. So when he dies, Bhagwan tells these doctors, uh-huh. in air quotes, to put Sheila to sleep for three days. They like induce a coma! When I woke up after three days... He says, this chapter is finished. Now you bury yourself in the work. And then and it, she's asleep for three days. <laughs> and when she wakes up, he's like, that was your mourning process. Yeah. Now you got to go back to work. Like, you cannot mourn this man. No. Like, don't waste any time on that bullshit. How fucking traumatic is that? To not, you don't process shit when you're in a coma? You get a three day, like, induced coma and you wake up and you're over it? And she's like, okay, that's so excellent. She was like, actually, that works great for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't have time, totally. really. I gotta get to work. Let's make that paper. <laughs> So now we cut back to India in 1980, and Osho, the head weirdo, has now gone into silence and hiding. (laughs) So all of these people who picked up their lives from in Kansas to wherever were like, I'm sorry. I broke up my family (laughs) to be here, and now you're not only not speaking, but you're just in hiding in the woods. Great. Great. Thanks a lot. 
Oh, you guys, the bell makes its debut in the episode. I know. But this is what I also thought was so insane, that they literally watch him get in his ro- his armored Rolls Royce. You guys. Somebody's going to have to explain this whole, who falls for this? But they get they watch him get into his fucking Rolls Royce and leave, and they just stand there. And the next thing, the gate opened, and the one's white armored Rolls Royce drove out of the gate, down the driveway, and out of the ashram gate. In the four years I was in India, he had never, ever gone out of the ashram. And suddenly he was gone. No explanation. That's just it. He's just gone forever. So now when he's in, quote, hiding, what they're doing secretly, the Bhagwan and Sheila are, like, secretly going to the United States to, like, scope out where she thinks this new cult should be. Yes. And no one in the cult is allowed to know, so they're just standing there for days and weeks being like, is he coming back? Is someone going to tell us what to do? (laughs) The crazy thing is he, like, lands in Port Antelope, Oregon, and everyone's like, what is happening? But, like, the BBC picks it up, the LA Times. Yeah. So the rest of the cult in India is finding out where he is through the media. Right. So the lawyer who won't stop crying picks up the phone <laughs> and is like, hey, can you connect me to that cult in Oregon? And they're like, yeah, sure. We They knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. it yeah. was. Uh, yeah, that's not a joke. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> Hi, excuse me, bring, bring, can I please talk to the cult in Oregon? And they're like, absolutely. Sure, hold one moment, KL5, please. whatever. <laughs> so, like, everyone knew what he was and what he was doing. It was even in the, the Oregon paper. Yeah. Like, super rich dude buys ranch. Totally. So the lawyer, like, offers up his lawyer services and she was like, get your ass to Oregon. Like, didn't even f- let him finish the sentence. Right. Because she knows, like, we're going to need a lawyer. Right. Constitution or not, <laughs> shit's going to go down. We're going to need some representation. And then it ends with her saying, like, operas at the end are always tragic. Okay. <laughs> That's how we end episode one of Wild Wild Country. <laughs> All right, girl. Episode two. Yeah. What's it called? Part two. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Really creative. Sheila named these episodes. She doesn't have any time for any creativity. No, it's part two. Get over it. We're moving on. Uh, Well, the first person we see is this guy, the U.S. attorney, Robert Weaver. And he says, in moving the ashram lock, stock, and barrel, they committed thousands of felonies. This was not motivated by greed. This was this was evil. This is evil. Yeah. Like he thinks. I mean, his point of view is that this is all completely premeditated. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, to just do absolutely like horrible, horrible crimes. Right. So basically, the first like fifteen minutes of this episode is them like seeing all of the Rajnishis. Is that how you say it? Yeah. You see them coming to this antelope town. And they're building out their town. It's unbelievable to watch. Remember, this was that uninhabitable 80,000 acres that all of a sudden they're turning into like the world's greatest farming community. Right. And Sheila's basically like like in The Lion King where she's like, everything the light touches is our kingdom. <laughs> it was the size of a Manhattan. 63,000 acres. They told me, look as far as you can see. Everything you can see belong to you. So what Sheila discovers is that you need 150 people to actually be a city. So she gets 150 people. 154. 154, because yep. just in case yeah. she poisoned somebody and they died, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so that's what you need to self-govern. A city was going to be needed. The 
community itself could issue its own building permits, could have its own law enforcement. It could be independent. It's kind of genius. Yeah. Why doesn't everybody do this? Because it's hard fucking work. Yeah, that's true. As we'll see. (laughs) I was just thinking about like a little gay town somewhere establishing Mm -hmm. our own laws and jurisdictions. And then I was like, girl, that town would be called Happy Hour and nobody would. Yeah, and nothing would get done. Yeah, just go to (laughs) P-Town. Exactly. Whatever. So they create the city of Rajneeshpuram literally from the ground up. It's kind of amazing though. Like Sheila, as they, as we start to see like the video of them building this community, she's yeah. like, we have no time for the lazy people or the meditators. Yeah. She's like, we can meditate later. You goddamn hippies get to work, get to work. You get a 15 minute lunch break. Maybe you don't even need it. Every three days. We had a job ahead of us. Lazy people. We don't want meditators. Later priority. Now is the time for work. And we hear all these stories about how, like, these people are working 29 hours a day. They loved it. They're so happy. They loved it. We get it. You guys like to work. We get it. It's really, you can't take that away from them, though, that they built a city. I mean, you guys, we're talking irrigation, infrastructure. Yes. Everything you need. solar panels. We built our own electric power that would be sufficient for 10,000 people. Put in plumbing, pipes going all over the ranch. There was a huge push to put in roads. Like, they didn't just, like, set up shop with, like, a, like a shack. I'm telling right. you, you guys, they, they were building the stadium for yeah. him to speak to 20,000 people. They built all of it with electrical and plumbing. Like, I can't stress it enough. They built, like, meditation studios, and I feel like Sheila would just walk by it and spit on them. Uh, <laughs> are you done with the meditation studio? Get back to work, you goddamn hippies. And it's true. The lawyer, the lawyer that won't stop crying, who was like, w- at one point in his life was so filled with rage that he had to like quit and go meditate for uh, a living. Right. No, he's super stable. He's- <laughs> super stable. This is not a guy I would trust to babysit my child. He's talking about how like the animals came back. We were literally turning the desert green. And as it was recovered, wildlife were coming back because it was being rebuilt. And when they show the footage of the animals, it is like basically from Snow White. It's like animation yeah. almost of like deer and bluebirds. Chipmunks and peacocks <laughs> and all decorating this. Decorating Christmas trees. Yeah. And like flying in banners that say, welcome to Rajneeshi Town. Yeah, like three bluebirds holding up Sheila's robe <laughs> as she walks by. Get back to work, you goddamn hippies. <laughs> But they had like a bank, a pizza place. It's just, it's so It's an actual city. I feel like they're going to be like, you guys, we get it. It's an actual city. They built an airport and a dam. I know, I know. It's it's unreal. Because it sounds like hyperbole when I'm like, oh, they built a city. No, no, you guys, they built, it's the city of Rashishpuram. Get into it. Well, Sheila, because of all this, she wants a goddamn Nobel Prize is what she wants. We brought back nature. We make this land alive with our sweat and our hard work. They should have offered us a Nobel Prize. This is where my take on this gets a little bit controversial. Because I have, like, in all big red letters, back to the ranchers. Now, these people who... At the in the beginning seemed perfectly rational to me. Like, of course, you don't want these like weirdos coming into your town and messing it up. Like, all of a sudden they seem kind of super close-minded. And they to me they seem a little bit like completely scared of the other. And they even say that. Well, it's it's new to me. It's I don't know nothing about it. So I just worry about the unknown. 
they're strangers to us and their mode of living is different than we're accustomed to. We're really not ready for them. Because it's been a sleepy little town, retirement town, and, and uh, too much activity. I think everybody should go through down there and see just what they're doing. And as far as I'm concerned, they're not doing this country any good. These people really haven't done anything at this point to, like, make you feel threatened. Why do you feel threatened? They're just here. Yeah. I mean, they're crazy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I think that they are probably, like, weirdos. But I don't know. Like, and even the, the district attorney, the U.S. attorney, whatever, one of these fancy attorney people is like, guys, we can't really help you at this point. Can we talk about when the Bhagwan actually arrives? Oh, yeah. He arrives. Everyone is freaking out. Again, Devil Wears Prada. They're scrubbing every surface. <laughs> they're flying in peacocks from wherever. Heard your loins, you guys. Yeah, we just need, we're Stanley Tucci up in here. I know, girl. Did someone eat an onion bagel? <laughs> um, and- <laughs> I felt like newly married bride preparing to receive her husband on a first night. We rolled out 4,000 square feet of green lawn carpets around his house. And the people at the ranch who are preparing, they want to make sure it is spotless. And Sheila's like, it was like a beautiful Fellini movie. And, and Sheila's talking about how it's heaven on earth. And the, the minute she says like how gorgeous and perfect it is, the documentary music turns ominous AF. It was like a beautiful Fellini movie. And you're like, what is happening? And then but what he does is he comes back and he just sits there. I in know. silence and they're all watching like on the edge of their seats which is really just dirt because they're all on the floor on the ground and he's just sitting there just going Shh. that's it they're just staring silently so the lawyer that won't stop crying when he's talking about how like the, how the, the ranchers in the town just hated them yeah and he's just like these are conservative Christian people when they get scared they get tight yeah Okay, all right. We got to put explicit on our podcast now for that line. Yeah, exactly. But he's also like, okay, fine. So we steamrolled and built a new city out of nowhere. Okay, sure. We just dance in the middle of the street for no reason and and give weird looks. And fine, we're a sex cult. But like, why are they persecuting us? Like, why these people just can't hang, you know? Like, fine. We're just like totally taking over their town with no warning. And like, fine, we're a sex cult. But like... They just can't. Ha- they're just not cool. Fine, we're a sex cult is my favorite line. Fine, That's what we should cult. call our first album. Fine, we're a sex cult. The Julian and Patrick story. <laughs> so now Margaret Hill is the mayor of Antelope, and she doesn't really have time for your shit. But Sheila's like, who's this one? Amateur. So it's like poor Margaret Hill has to go up against an actual evil genius named Sheila. Take notes, Marjorie Deal. The position of mayor in Antelope was just who got stuck with it. It passed through everybody because there was nothing happening in Antelope. It just happened that Margaret Hill happened to be in the hot seat when all this nonsense started. When they first came, they were truly welcome to the community. Uh, But basically, it wasn't until they really started throwing their weight around. It's it's not a pleasant experience at all. (laughs) Margaret Hill really is no match for Sheila. No, and nobody is. No, no. I'm terrified of her. She's in my closet with Rachel from Jesus Camp and all the other crazy people that are coming to get me and all the roaches because it is personal. (laughs) 
Yeah. And basically they thought that these like townspeople were just a bunch of hick dummies who like didn't know any better and that they could get away with all of this shit. You guys, spoiler, they get away with all this shit. Well, here's... I don't think the townspeople are yokels as they call themselves. I know. But like you you guys, you're outnumbered. Like they 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 win. Yeah, there's thousands of them and they are so they're 100% in whatever this cult is. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no like you The can't worst compete. thing you could have done is cross them. Like that's, that's the worst thing you could have done. Oh yeah, cuz Sheila's like, "Oh, are we doing this?" And Sheila just F- wants fucking to fight. finally someone's coming for me. I know. Like, she's been waiting for this like a boxer <laughs> stretching in the corner of the ring. Is this when the, the lawyer who won't stop crying is like, the press keeps calling us a cult. <laughs> they keep saying, we're just people in the desert, man. <laughs> sure, fine, we're a sex cult, man, but don't use that word. We're just, we just want to live in the desert, man. It's like, he was like, well, the, the description in the press is more applicable to the United States Army. <laughs> That's the establishment, man. What happens? Oh God! Okay. <laughs> I hate I it. love when me and you take almost the exact same notes, so we know exactly Exa- what the I know what's coming. But the next thing, you guys, there's a movie about this sex cult. It's called Ashram in Pune. Ashram in Pune, whatever mm-hmm. it is. That sounds super sexual, by the way. Yeah, Ashram was like what they called the cult then because they changed their name every five minutes. Yeah. And it was in Pune, India. They describe it, it was released in 1981 and they described that it was fi- it was filmed by a young German director who was a sympathizer of the cult. <laughs> His name is Wolfgang something. Whatever. So he takes a hidden camera into one of those dynamic meditation therapy sessions. And this is basically what the movie is. It is... So, and, and Jane, the boring Australian, it's yeah. like, to, just to be clear, in those early days, like, everything was kind of allowed. Yes, yeah. She makes that little justification, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's bullshit that what you are about to, if you saw the documentary already, the, the spoiler means nothing, because yes, you've been exactly, traumatized, exactly. as we have both been. So they play this movie in Oregon, like, at the movie theater that's next to the bank, that's next to the post office <laughs> in this tiny, sleepy town with 50 people in it. Can you imagine? Which these- is next to the cold with 10,000 people in it. Right. Right. And so can you so these poor people like go to the movie theater and sit down and like what they want to know what's happening right next door and girl I know and we even get the warning from one of the newscasters who's like this it's from the BBC what follows is unpleasant to watch nothing's been added for effect or sensation I went to India to see for myself and this is what I found this is unedited and this is like this is upsetting to watch. And actually it is upsetting to watch. Okay. So what it, you'll hear it. Yeah, I'll play I'm going to play it right now. You're going to hear it under Jillian talking. So that's screaming, right? <laughs> screaming and hooting hooting and hollering. <laughs> Are you ready for the garbage minute? Yes, 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 yes. Give it to me. Ugh. This week's garbage minute is brought to you by the film Ashram in Pune. <laughs> This is, they're, they're all naked. They're in one very small room. They're all on top of each other. There is, it's so violent and so horrible. And there is a moment where there's a naked woman and a guy in the orange robe. Yeah. And he flips her over and starts violently either simulating rape. I can't tell what it is. I'm Thank hoping, yeah, I'm yeah. hoping it's simulated. Still horrifying. Still, still, horrifying. still garbage. Still <laughs> ultimate garbage. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It was awful. It's like the messiest group sex ever, but everything is very sexual and violent and horrible. So then after this messiest, most violent group sex, consensual, not, I don't know, ever, (laughs) then, because it's the four stages that Boring Jane talked about. Yes. So then, silence. Yes. Crickets. (laughs) Then, they're just dancing at disco and everyone's still naked. (laughs) 
All right. And all I can think about is these poor senior citizens from Antelope, Oregon, who took themselves out for a night at the movies to see what exactly it has come to their town. There's our garbage minute. Yep. <laughs> so now it's a little, these people are a little less judgy because it's like all their worst fears times a zillion yeah. of what is happening in the desert is true. Right, 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 like right, Like right. everything, it's like worse than they ever could have imagined. The fear of the unknown was at the movie theater in living color. Which is so crazy, but okay. Yeah, whatever, man. So we meet this guy whose family literally started the town of Antelope, like they, like the cult started yeah. the city of Rajesh Purim. When you see the pictures of it, it's like right out of Parks and Rec, like the oh, yeah. old Pawnee or like a Christopher Guest movie, but this is actually real. It's actually real. Yeah. So the guy's name is Bill Bowerman. He had an insane life. He was in the military. Then he like was on, he started the Olympic track team. He was the Olympic track coach. And then he retires. He was like in the Olympics for Munich. It was yeah. ridiculous. Then he retires. And then he's like, eh, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> the dude invents Nike. You guys, he's like the co-founder of Nike. He is the guy who invented the sneakers you're wearing right now with the with the waffle like sole. He yeah. did that because he was like a track pro. And he's like, none of these sneakers are good enough. I'm just going to start Nike. Right. So he has a lot of money is the point. Shit so, ton. Yeah. So he recruits uh, this group called the Thousand Friends of Oregon. Yeah. And basically, it's like this legal organization that is like just trying to throw these Rushnishis out of Oregon. They're looking for any loophole. In the courts, we took the position that farmland is for farming, ranch land is for ranching. They're not for cities. I said, we will come in and seek action to require you to remove those buildings because they were never legally built. Yeah, because like technically, like that's a ranch. You can't build a yeah. bank on a ranch. Like that's what they're trying to do. So the Nike, the Nike money is financing this whole takedown of the cult. And Sheila's like, "I will paint the bulldozers with my blood." <laughs> Thousand Friends of Oregon says that their intention is to see this place dismantled. Good, so they can come. Words. They're most welcome. I'll be right on the road. They need to drive over me. It's their choice. I will paint their bulldozers with my blood. I'll be proud to be under those bulldozers. Sheila's ready to go. Sheila's like, what took you so long, pals? Let's do this. This is literally the fight that Sheila's been waiting for her whole life. Oh, yeah. She's like, if they don't know I'm down for this, they're idiots. She actually calls them idiots. She's like, these people are stupid if they think, I, like, this is going to scare me. Amateur hour, let's go. And because she says, like, you guys, when there are 10,000 to 50, you're outnumbered. And Sheila just says, if you don't find the little loopholes in the law, it's your loss. Sheila. The Welcome to Leaf people took, like, right from Sheila's playbook. Absolutely. Because basically what they do is they're like, fine, bitches, we're going to start, we're going to buy up everything in your little town. Yeah. And then we get this, like, talking head of the report. Reporter. She's like, the head of this whole operation, <laughs> Sheila Silverman. Her name is Sheila Silverman? She doesn't go by any Russianish Purim. Sheila Silverman? All right, whatever. The chief of this outfit, Sheila Silverman, is accustomed to getting what she wants. And if she can't have her own city here on the Muddy Ranch, she's determined to buy the next best thing, the city of Antelope. We started buying the properties in Antelope to secure our existence as a city. And we took over. The thing is, a lot of the homes were for sale in Antelope. Right. A lot of things were for sale because people didn't have a lot of money and they would sell and stuff no for super cheap. buying, right. Right, because no one else lives there. Everyone who is in Antelope 
is going to just be there. No one like moves to Antelope exactly. except this cult. And they buy the cafe. The they buy that downtown cafe. They change the name of it to Zorba the Buddha. And the, the reporter's like, now it's bananas, not bacon. <laughs> Seen on the grill. And th- then this male reporter's like, in the old days, this kind of thing would have been solved with a shootout. Girl. In other national news, Antelope, Oregon. Town out west where old timers and newcomers are locked in the kind of feud that used to be settled with a shootout. This is where it starts to come to a head, you guys, because yeah. everyone's handling this wrong. Everyone is is showing too much of their cards, being a little <laughs> too aggressive. So the locals are mad. And they st- they were really thinking clearly and they just start carrying guns and getting like they're trying to fight fire with fire. And so like the angrier they got, the more Sheila and the cult pushed back. And the more the cult pushed back, the more violent right. these people wanted right. to get. Yeah. And now they're all harassing each other. And the Russianish would just go around and photograph and videotape everything. You guys, there's just one insane shot of like the local ranchers walking around and they're like, you know, they were spying on us from their helicopter. Cuts to a shot oh, yeah. of the Roshnishis in a helicopter. They have a helicopter. Yeah. Like these people had so much money. Right. And then like the people who wouldn't sell them their homes, they'd show up to their houses at night and like shine flashlights yeah. in their in their yeah. windows, which is terrifying totally. and actual harassment and like add that to the list of thousands and thousands of crimes. Right. So now the people of Antelope tried to disincorporate their city. Antelope, Oregon. It's about to be taken over by an Indian guru and his followers, and the townspeople, who don't like this idea at all, have decided that having no town at all is a better alternative. Caught between the Rajneesh Foundation and 1,000 Friends of Oregon are the residents of Tiny Antelope. Their only defense, they decided, is to commit municipal suicide rather than let the religious followers take over their city government. So what happens here is that like the Rajneeshis are not just trying to buy up the land, they're trying to like... Welcome to Leith style, get on the city council and then run the city government. Right. So the existing city government decides they're just going to disincorporate. Right. Meaning they're going to like dissolve their town so there's no town for these people to run. Exactly. And so the Rashnishis, they flood the town with the votes. Yeah. They keep it intact. And the final tally is, this. these numbers are so sad. Because yeah. it's like 52 to 44. <laughs> Rajneeshi's won. And it's covered on national news that yeah. morning. Like, where the hell were we? It, right, I know. That this was national news, that there was some cult in Oregon? Like, what is happening? It's so insane. So the lawyer the lawyer who won't stop crying stops crying to laugh <laughs> at the, the locals. You know, I, I thought it was hilarious. Because we were accused of using the system of government we call representative democracy to protect ourselves from being destroyed by those who wanted to destroy us. And for that, we were pilloried for having this horrible takeover of this small community by the red people. They have a sign that says, like, welcome to the city of Roshanishi. Welcome to you. Okay, let's just say (laughs) welcome to the city. So now Sheila has this, like, feeling something is going terribly wrong. I wonder what it is. What it is is that at 1.19 in the morning, they bombed this hotel that the Roshanishis had in Portland because now they're expanding. Right. And they built a hotel probably from nothing yeah. uh, in Portland, and that's being bombed. This is the kind of thing we've expected. We've expected it because of the kind of bigotry, the kind of inflammatory things that have been happening. We didn't expect it so soon, but we did expect sometime there would be bloodshed. Rajneesh and his disciples have been threatened a number of times since their arrival in Oregon two years ago. They say this latest action will not force them to leave. Now, it's a perfect thing for Sheila to be like, see what's happening? They're bombing us. Like, if they just we took don't it protect too far. ourselves, nobody's going to. They took it too far. Yeah. That's when we went out and bought weapons in ranch. 
But if you didn't feel that way about your children, your community, your master, it would be pathetic. The episode ends and I'm like, where the hell is Bhagwan? What are you doing? Who are you doing this for? That's what I was thinking too. He wasn't there. Where is he? Do we know where he is? It's all for Sheila, man. Yeah. Sheila has taken over. Sheila, girl. I'm obsessed with Sheila. I mean, like, don't kill people though. We got through episodes one and two of Wild Wild Country. I know. You guys, next week's episodes three and four. Let's do it. We're not going to play the trailer for that because it's just one trailer for the whole series. Yeah. So no trailer this week. Yeah, and you guys have been really wanting us to do it, so I feel like you've all seen it. Yeah. <laughs> or at least seen the trailer. I think you know what's up. You guys, don't forget, if you want all of the fab bonus content, including our staircase and cereal and all of our interviews and everything that's coming up, we're doing we're dropping like twice weekly bonus things. Yep. Um, find us at Patreon.com slash true crime obsessed or go to our website and click on the Patreon link. Get in there, you guys. Get in the party. It's I mean, oh my God, it's so much fun. And yeah. the website is truecrimeobsessed.com. So that's the link to the Patreon if you don't want to go to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. Uh, <laughs> and our calendar. And we're doing like a whole overhaul of the website. Yeah, the website, it, we're in the middle of the overhaul now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's coming along. Yeah, it's going to be great. And follow us on Twitter at True Crime Obsessed. You guys, also the Facebook group. Uh, oh, yeah. The oh, True Crime God. Obsessed podcast discussion I feel group. like that's a given. I know. I live in that group. I'm in, I know. That, I'm in that group every single day. I know. I love it. It's the best. Where can people find you, girl? At Jillian with a G. Just, on every, just across the board. <laughs> I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram, at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. Don't forget to check out the pin posts on our Facebook and Twitter pages for the links to tickets to our live shows. And don't forget to stay tuned after the palate cleanser for a little clip from episode three of The Staircase. You guys, this week's palate cleanser, as Jillian um, decided earlier, it's perfect. Well, you from, said it. I know. The Broadway cast of American Idiot, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Broadway shows. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. What's up, John Gallagher? How you doing? I'm obsessed with him. How you doing, girl? Um, bye, you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. See you next week. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are 800 of them on me. One time, this is not a joke. When I lived in Jersey City and I was taking the bus into the city one day, I had put a long sleeve shirt on. No, no, no. I was sitting there on the bus and a cockroach. No, 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 (laughs) no. Podcast is over. No, 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 no. I'm going to have nightmares. I used to talk about cockroaches in therapy. I know. I, I couldn't say the word for years. I love that this, you this have the same real. cockroach thing as me. I, oh, there's so many on me. I, <laughs> oh, God. And it's so personal. It's When they come at you, it's so personal. Oh, God. For some reason, the rats don't bother me. I'm not bothered by rats. When they... Come out of no, out of like the corner yeah. and they make that noise. Like, but I'm say I'd rather a rodent than vermin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's everyone is screaming and jumping during this meditation. They're all naked. Some of them are in robes. They're in a very small room. Yes. It must smell to high heaven in there. With the that, violence. That, Enough. I wrote that out because I was like, I need Ju- I, Judy. I just called you Judy. Okay. <laughs> Garbage bell for you. And his whole his story is that he had a friend who came back from India and they went into the woods and like, I feel like got a little gay. I'm just saying. It Probably. sounded a little gay. Probably. The Bhagwan was modern and hip. All right. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Modern? You guys, he literally dresses like Jesus. <laughs> 
she's saying that like he taught us that we don't have to isolate. We should be part of the marketplace. And I had this image of Sheila dinging the bell on Wall Street. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sheila talks with dollar signs in her eyes at all times. At all times. You're yeah. a big dollar sign to her. <laughs> exactly. But like skinny. Oh, like yeah, a yeah. skinny dollar Like sign. a very skinny, like there's only one line through the ass. Exactly, because that's all it can fit. That's all it can yeah. fit. Did you try to live on your own? When you burned down the house and home? Did you stand too close to the fire? Like a liar looking for forgiveness? From a storm when it's time to live and let die. Peterson, Michael's first wife, who still lives in Germany. She's out of central casting. They were like, can we get, we need one of those like scarf wearing American women who'd move to Germany and then be super elitist about it. That's her. If that was on a breakdown in any casting house, it would be like, we just need a super elitist woman who moved to Germany and then like had an American woman who moved to Germany had a weirdly British accent. Like they do. Like they all do. Madonna, I'm looking at you, girl. Wear sunglasses all the time, scarves for days, and who you spoke in such a way. I laughed so hard. This is when it really, she just, this is like, she really brings it home. So I don't know what the hell she's even talking about, but she's like, well, I I remember that day just uh, just as if it was yesterday with my dear friend. (laughs) He came to collect the automobile. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's hard to get through it. It's hard. I don't know if I can look at you for it. He came to collect the automobile keys. And then he drove back here in the automobile. And Liz would have been in her automobile. And then when we American teachers need automobile repair work, one of us drives and then a friend collects us and brings us home in the other automobile. And then we wait the uh, allotted amount of days. And then we get dropped off in their automobile to pick up our automobile. He came to collect the automobile keys. He drove back here in the automobile. Liz would have been in her automobile. 
we American teachers have the custom over here, if we need to have automobile re re repair work done, one drives a friend collection. What is she talking about? I, I rewound it like 30 times. I do not know the story that she's telling. First of all, it's a car, <laughs> Patty. Enough. And she's acting. She's like, we uh, we American, uh, we American uh, teachers here in Germany have this funny thing we do where when we need our automobile repaired, what she's describing is anyone, look, I'm in New York, I don't have a car, I don't know anything about them, but what she's describing is like what everyone else in America or in the world does. If you need your car fixed, you get someone to give you a ride, you know, you drop your car off, your friend picks you up, and then you wait, and then you get a ride or you call a cab or whatever, but she's acting like this is what we American teachers in Germany do, and it's it's only, it doesn't matter what your occupation is, it doesn't matter where you are, your nationality, she's acting like this one specific pocket of people says automobile 11 times in four seconds. He went to the automobile and she had the automobile and then I had the automobile. The automobile. <laughs> <laughs>